This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, heroes, a quick note before we start the episode. The original cut of this series included an ableist slur as one of the names for the NPCs. At the time of recording and when we originally posted these episodes, we did not know this term was a slur. After a listener reached out to us and educated us, it became obvious that we had to address it. Currently, we're in the process of editing this term out of the show. So if you hear any bleeps going forward into the episode, that's what got taken out. If you want to know about the specific term in question, you can listen to either part one or part five of this series, as we address the term specifically in those introductions. And if you'd like educational resources so that you can hopefully remove ableist slurs from your own vocabulary, we have educational resources linked in our show notes. I'd say otherwise, this is a really great series, and I hope people can still enjoy listening to it. Thanks, heroes, and enjoy the show. We are Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. Heroes, I hope everyone has enjoyed the holiday. I apologize that we're going up late, but I was enjoying it as well. Oh, at least the time off and not so much the holiday itself. But that's neither here nor there. We're still playing the Sentinels of the Multiverse role-playing game. And I am playing one of my favorite characters that I have played in a very long time, Dracules. And since I don't really have anything to announce outside of that, let's get to the show. Okay. So, with that, we will begin a scene for, unsurprisingly, this is leading to an altercation right here in the diner. Uh, I think that there was some indication that AD was hoping to take this elsewhere, uh, but has forced the situation. You are faced by four foes, and they each have their own powers and abilities. You might be able to guess at some of them, uh, or at least deduce them from context clues. But additionally, you have a challenge of the diner being plunged into darkness. And the diner being plunged into darkness, like, isn't, like, there's still, like, some light from outside. It's, you know, morning, and there's some big windows. But the diner being in darkness um, has the additional trouble that each turn it will uh, it will advance the scene tracker one because the situation's a bit more dire and everybody is in a bit more danger. And by everybody, I do mean the civilians. Just to set the scene here and to explain a bit of how the system works for anyone that doesn't know. In Sentinel Comics, the role-playing game, when you're in an action scene, there are multiple elements to that scene. In this scene, there's the heroes Solid Gold, Dracules, BC, and Savant. Additionally, there are some foes. Uh, All of these foes are lieutenants, which I'll describe momentarily. We have Fable, Liquid Steel, AD, and who are all lieutenants. And then we have uh, the the environment itself, the Midtown Diner, uh, which the environment has a scene tracker associated with it, which has a number of spaces. Some spaces in the green zone, some spaces in the yellow zone, and some spaces in the red zone. And from those three zones is where we get the name of the system, the gyro system. Uh, Green, yellow, red, and out. If you pass from green to yellow to red and beyond red, you are then out. Dave, would you like to make a joke about the name of the system now? It's a delicious sandwich. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, if, if you wanted to call it the Euro system. Euro system. Because uh, you're playing Love as superheroes, of course. Mm-hmm. 
and one of them Greek. There you go. Perfect. I know, I've tried playing Euro System. It's way too complicated for a superhero game. <laughs> so the way that initiative works in this game is via an elective initiative, meaning that the scene will start with someone taking the first action, and then at the end of their turn, they'll pass it to someone else. With that, we'll start off the scene. Whoever takes the first action will then pass it to whoever they want to. So if, if, if hypothetically, Solid Gold went first, Solid Gold could pass it to BC, who could then pass it to Dracules, who could then pass it to Savant, but then Savant must pass it to somebody who isn't one of the four heroes because they've already all taken their turns and i will warn you if you leave all of the villains for the very end of the scene they can uh, group their actions up from the end of one scene to the beginning of the next scene it's a little inside baseball don't worry too much about it now point being you are sometimes oh. behooved to pass the action order around because when it gets to the final person in the action order they can pass it to whoever they want to other than themselves to begin the next round mm -hmm. that is a really cool strategic note <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to warn people uh, so that then later, if I punish you with it, it's not like, but wait a minute, I didn't know you could. No, you knew. <laughs> I do not prefer to be a punishing GM. Like I said at the top of this, uh, this is a collaborative thing. We're all telling stories together. But at the same time, I don't want my villains to, to not have their day in the sun or in the darkness of the diner, as the case may be. With all of that said, uh, we have in this scene one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven elements in that we have four heroes, four villains that are lieutenants, two challenges, one the darkest diner and one some fellow diners. And, uh, and you know what? Fellow diners is not a very good name for that challenge. Let's, uh, let's do a better job. We, c we can do better. Diners in the dark. I was going to say a different <laughs> thing, and I like that more. Yes. <laughs> Great. Great. Okay, yeah, so the challenges can be passed to in the initiative. They uh, they can take turns, and the environment itself can be passed to you. On the environment's turn, the scene tracker will tick down, and as it does so, you will be pushed from the green to the yellow to the red zone. You also have your own innate zones. I don't want to talk too much about how this whole system works on the air, because that is a podcast in of itself. Do you guys feel like that's sufficient information, or do you want a little bit more? You know, just uh, when you're describing your actions and whatnot, be be descriptive so people can picture it in their mind's eye. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I did say that I was going to explain lieutenants, and I never did. So there's three main types of foes in Sino Comics, the role-playing game. Villains, who are complete built villains with their own sheet of abilities, powers, and qualities, much like heroes have, but in their own way. Then there's minions. Minions are little minor villains that tend to act in groups and are not terribly threatening, but if there's a bunch of them, you got to deal with them one way or another. And then lieutenants are the midpoint between that. Lieutenants are heartier foes than minions, but not quite full-fledged villains. They tend to be much more simple. They have one or two abilities each, uh, and they are uh, governed by a single die. Minions are also covered by a single die. If a minion's a d6 minion on its turn, it rolls its attack, or it rolls whatever action it's taking with its d6, and when you attack it, it rolls its die size a d6 to uh, to to save against that attack. Lieutenants work the same way. They are associated with a single die size. When you attack them, they roll their die as a save. When they do anything, they roll their die to do that thing. When you attack a lieutenant, if you beat the number of its save, if you if you roll and your attack surpasses its save number, it degrades a die size. So a D8 lieutenant would go to a D6 lieutenant. But if it saves against your attack that you rolled, it does not degrade. It hangs around. So lieutenants can be rather hardy. So let's go ahead and give these guys their info. I don't trust that. <laughs> 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 
Our RGM just put a question mark against uh, one of the die sizes in there, which which spells disaster to me. Right. Uh, I, I, I noted that uh, I like information to be on the table for people to know things. I noted that Fable is a D6 lieutenant. Liquid Steel is a D8 lieutenant. AD is a D10 lieutenant. And is a D6 lieutenant, but it's D6 question mark. <laughs> I'm... I, I, it, it, uh, he is a D6 lieutenant, but he has an ability that messes with that. So I'm sure we'll find out. Anyway, took the first action, plunging it the, the room into darkness. And so then passes the action to Liquid Steel. And Liquid Steel is going to use her ability. She stands and the lights from outside, the sunlight from outside the windows reflects off her form as she extends her arm and waves it across all of you. And as she does, little lines of liquid metal extend from each of her fingertips, lancing across the table, destroying your breakfast and slicing into you. But more importantly, destroying the breakfast. Grapefruit hadn't even shown up yet. This is perfect. So she uh, rolls her, her D8 die um, and uh, gets a four on the Sentinel Comics branded dice. <laughs> and that means that she does a whopping four damage to each of you before this even pops off. And Zeus Oof. Lugosi, I imagine that as you are being attacked, that perhaps triggers your transformation into a 12-year-old being impaled by a lady with metal fingers. <laughs> I, I, You know what? I will save my transformation in, it. Un- until it is my I turn. Love I love the peril of, of being a non-transformed character. That's fantastic. I was going to actually, with, this, with that question, I was going to set it up to, to pass it to you, but if you'd, if you'd rather I leave oh. you in a bit more peril, I'm happy to do so. No, that, that, that is cool. Yeah, yeah I, I like to, as the GM, try to create a, a cinematic thing where I'm not just going to pass it back and forth between I'm like, okay, here they do a couple of things, and then as part of this attack, the attack strikes these three heroes, and then we see the attack also going at this poor boy. It's that boy's turn. I think what happens, like this, this metal finger extends across the table and uh, definitely like nicks his shoulder like thankfully for for zeus lugosi uh the 12 year old boy he is not quite the height that the other heroes around him are it it's not nearly as brutal a shot as it would be but it is a powerful one and i think it sends the booth that they're in like kind of tumbling backwards and lugosi has to go into a bit of a roll and lands hard on the ground and looks to his shoulder and like there's a a close-up shot of Lugosi, you know, looking at the blood falling from his shoulder. And once again, like with the dim shadows, like there are just those two lights on his eyes as he has this internal monologue. Thank goodness she didn't hit the medallion that's hanging from my neck. And he grabs it out of his shirt. And, you know, we can see that Bella Lugosi Dracula ass medallion sparkling in the faint shadowy light of the room as he shouts, Shadows over Olympus! He grows like to be about 6'3", this hulking tower of muscle. We can see chest hair and a full beard sprouting from his face. His clothes, like there's a flash of light and they transform from like, you know, jeans and a t-shirt or whatever to a, a, a Greek like tunic. One of those light sort of like skirty dress things. His uh, shoes transform into sandals and whatnot. He is this hulking tower of body hair and muscle. 
and then suddenly the shadows in the room dim ever more and all around him in the shadows little pairs of beady red eyes light up as shadowy bats fly out from around the room surround his body and the white of his tunic changes to a dark black with a gold accents on it and the bats like convalesce into a cape that sits on his back, which is of course a velvet cape with a red interior and his skin becomes pale and his big bushy beard gets like trimmed down into a Dracula style mustache and his eyes glow a dim red and he opens with his fangs and lets out the and like that's the transformation sequence. Uh, I I don't know if I need an action on top of that. Really, I guess I can I like you do. intimidate. I think you've earned one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, so I like I guess I'm gonna have to go after this. What's his name? Fable character mm, here. I mean, if you wish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I- I'm just going to use animal control on-, on Fable, and I'm going to make all the rats in the diner uh, <laughs> attack Fable really quick. Um, so many rats, rats in this diner. diner. Why do we eat here? <laughs> Those would better come with a cloak. In a, in a universe with superheroes where there's so much collateral damage all the time, like health codes have to be a little lax. Sure. There's no way you can keep rats out of your diner. I have a question. How do yeah. attacks work in this system? So the whenever you do any of any any action, you're going to be building a dice pool for that action, and you're going to be doing it by taking one die from your powers. So you mentioned animal control, so that's the power you're using. One die from mm-hmm. your qualities, and then your current status die, which is either your health or the scene status. Right now, the scene status is green, and I imagine even though you've lost four health, you're probably still in the green zone in your own health, so you're at your green zone die there. Oh, yes. So if you're making an attack, you take those three dice, you roll those dice, the mid-rolling result, that's how much damage you do. If you're doing a boost or a hinder, boost is a, a, an action that you use to give somebody else a bonus or yourself a bonus. A hinder is an action that you use to hind- to give a penalty to somebody, and uh, overcome is an action you use to deal with challenges. You have a couple of challenges here, like if you wanted to get the challenge, uh, deal with the challenge of getting the lights back on in the diner, that takes two overcome successes, which is why there are two boxes on that challenge. And, I get, and additionally, getting the diners that are in the dark to safety is a challenge that requires two overcome checks, which is why there's two boxes there. So the overcome action, same thing. You take a power quality status, roll those three, mid-rolling result gives you your result. However, those are all those like standard actions but what you really want to be using is your abilities. You have a delightful set of green, yellow, and red zone abilities. And so right now, we're all in the green zone, so you only have access to your green abilities. But when you move into the yellow zone, either because of your own personal status or because the scene itself moves into the yellow zone, once the scene moves into the yellow zone, you have access to your yellow and green abilities. And once the scene moves into the red zone or your own personal status moves into the red zone, you have access to your red and yellow and green abilities. Everything's on the table. Um, And so that provides some cinematic pacing to the way you have abilities. So the question here for Dracules is if you have any green zone abilities that you want to use as part of this attack, and it's okay if you don't, but uh, you might have some green zone abilities that will help you with this. Yeah, there, there there are none that apply to this particular situation, but, you know, the no fight worries. is just getting started. So I'm going to be attacking with animal control. I've got uh, my green zone D6, and uh, for the quality, 
quality i'm using imposing here this is really an intimidation move really showing off the power that both dracula and hercules would have together and my mid roll on that is gonna be a four all right so you're attacking fable with a four and mm-hmm. Fable is a D6 lieutenant, so Fable takes his D6 and rolls it and gets a six. So oh. all of the right, so all of the rats come out of the woodwork. Dracules has just loomed to his most imposing and magnificent height, and he when he laughs, his laugh sends chills down the spines of all the diners, um, and all the rats come scurrying out of the woodwork, seeming not drawn, not excited, but like compelled to come and feast on the object of Dracules' ire. And as they come scurrying towards Fable, ready to chew apart this this behatted fop, Fable turns <laughs> and looks at the rats and pulls his scroll out and says, mm, no, 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 the health code says that you can't have rats in a place like this. And one by one, the rats just seem to disappear and the whole place feels a bit cleaner and vermin-free. My children of the night! No matter, the battlefield is no place for children. And Dracules, like, hunkers down, ready to fight, seeing how serious this situation is. Let's pass this off. Uh, let, let's, let's see what AD can do. Oh, don't mind if I do. Dracules just did this very big, impressive thing. Then the rats charged Fable, and Fable made the rats disappear. And uh, And everyone's kind of like in awe of the two things that happened, both this child turning into this tower, like the the transformation sequence really kind of pulled everybody's attention to that. And it was then <laughs> further startling when a bunch of rats ceased to exist suddenly with a loud crash and a bang. The table that the waitress so kindly drug over to be next to your table is flung <laughs> to the side as AD leaps to his feet um, and dashes dishes across the diner and uh, says, you fools have no idea what you're dealing with. Um, And he reaches his hands high above his head and summons forth this metallic glowing disc and says, this is a vision of the true future. And a bright light blasts from it, even more painful because of the darkness that you've all been plunged into. Um, and that light, as you're, as the stars dance between, behind your eyes with the bright flash makes you see in your eyes a, a, a terrifying future, a future that is all sterile and blank. Everything is perfectly geometrically formed. Everything is perfectly orderly. There is no creation, uh, there is no expression, everything is by the rules um, that AD has set forth in this vision, um, and you all feel quite disheartened by this possible future. He's making a hinder against three of you, um, and so uh, he is hindering Dracules, Solid Gold, and Savant, but BC has uh, has seen enough of the proposed futures that BC is not one of the people being hindered by this. He rolls his die, and he only gets a four on his d10. Jeff, you said you have that chart open. What does the hinder chart say for a four? I know the answer, but I want you to tell me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, mine's two. That is correct. So 
the three of you each have a minus two to your next action, and that'll be to the key die. So if you roll your three dice and you take the mid, you then remove the minus two from the mid die after rolling. With that, he, he laughs uh, a, a laugh of, of resignedness, of, of knowing that there, is, that there is no hope, there is only inevitability. And as a result of this, after the flash dissipates, the diner feels even darker than before. Uh, the, the, with the absence of that flash, it's like, wow, things are in worse shape than ever. Um, and the, the challenge of the darkest diner not being resolved yet advances the scene tracker, which does push us into the yellow zone. So everybody now acts with both their status die and their abilities as if they're in the yellow zone. Oh, yeah. cool. Yep, yep, yep. The diners in the dark don't actually do anything yet. And the environment itself is also going to go, which all the environment does on its turn is mark off the scene tracker. It could introduce threats if need be. We are actually in good shape in that regard. So the environment is going to pass it to Savant. Savant, you've been watching everything going on here. You've seen three of them act. You've seen the the visions of the future, but also the darkness of the diner, and you feel compelled to act. Savant stands and as he rises up to his feet continues to rise as light begins to pour from his eyes and the stone that he keeps with him at all times hovers next to him above his hand and you can see a swirling red within the golden glow of this stone he looks around and then motions towards the lights and begins using alchemy to repair the very filament within it that has been destroyed. Yes. Very cool. So I will do an overcome. Do you have any of your any abilities? Like any of your either do either of your principles help you with this overcome, for instance? Well, uh, I can overcome against a mystical force. I don't know if it was a mystical force that caused the uh, the blackout. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, the 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 thing that Dimwit did uh, is suppressing the lights. So certainly that that counts in this situation. So using transmutation and science and my yellow die, the max there is a 10. That's great. So it goes down to an eight. So action completely succeeds. <laughs> you have succeeded on one of the two overcomes necessary to complete the darkest diner challenge. And everybody gets a hero yes. point. Yes. So if you look at your hero sheet on the front page of your hero sheet, there's spaces for five hero points. Five's the most you can get in one session, and at the end of the session, we do stuff with them, which probably won't come up in this because the way we're playing it, but that's fine. Hell yeah. And Savant will then pass it off to Solid Gold. Solid Gold is still spinning from having been hit with a liquid steel. She goes flying over the back of the, the diner chair as it gets shoved backwards, but lands on her feet spinning in place and dropping to a knee because she's just so disheartened by futures that she can't possibly imagine. But then she steals her resolve, stands, and says, uh, oh, well, if I'm dancing, I'm going to need people to see and she extends one hand towards the ceiling, which begins to cover itself with crackling gold. A beam fires out of it, and at a single point on the ceiling, gold starts to build, electroplating there, and pooling downwards, dropping into a huge droplet of gold that's still hanging from the ceiling with light glimmering from beneath it. I am going to apply a principle, because one of my principles is radiant. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. as it stands, I just don't much care for darkness. So she's going to create a glowing d dropped gold disco ball in the room to light up what's what's uh, not still lit, rolling with Radiant Insight and her current scene die, which means I actually need to switch out for a D8. 
Okay, uh, I was applying Principle of Radiant, which means I'm using my max. I've got a 10 there. I can't roll above that, so I don't need to re-roll this one. And that should clear the challenge. So as she does so, the room is still with a coruscating, rotating beams of laser light firing everywhere as a, a golden disco drop ball kind of coalesces on the ceiling. It'll last there rotating for the next yes. 10 minutes. <laughs> Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Let's get things started off with a radvertisement. This one comes to us from The Pod Has Been Cast. The Pod Has Been Cast is a sci-fi Dungeons & Dragons actual play. Join Void Master Jules with Bianca, Carlos, and Robert as they tell the story of three Voidfarers and the adventures that await them in the endless sea of swirling darkness they call... The Void. Inspired by sci-fi classics like Firefly, Farscape, Cowboy Bebop, and the Mass Effect series, the pod has been cast is perfect for any and all lovers of cosmic gunslingers, cyberpunk hackers, and robots. Oh boy. Quite possibly too many robots. You can find them at thephbcast.com or on Instagram and Reddit at thepodhasbeencast. They are also available wherever you get your podcasts. For those that don't know, this podcast is headed up by Jules Stroop, who you have heard on One Shot before. I always love playing with Jules and can unreservedly recommend any show that they might be heading up. A huge thanks to The Pod Has Been Cast for sponsoring the show this week. Heroes, I have a brand new book out, The Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide. It's a book full of prompts and activities designed to help make the process of developing worlds for your role-playing games easier and more fun. It's available right now anywhere books are sold. You can find a list of vendors over at bit.ly slash ultimate world building. And if you are curious to see how this book works and whether or not it's for you, I've got an event coming up. Last month, I had an event planned with my friend Alexandra Rowland for us to sit down and use exercises from this book to develop a world of our own before your very eyes. Unfortunately, that event got canceled. However, Alex and I decided to push on and just run the event ourselves. So Thursday, July 29th at 6 p.m. Central Time, Alex and I are going to sit down on the one-shot Twitch stream and use exercises from the book to build a world right in front of you and maybe even collaborate with the chat a little bit. It's a great opportunity to see the book in action and just have a fun time. Once again, that'll be Thursday, July 29th at 6 p.m. Central Time over at twitch.tv slash one-shot-rpg. I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Sergio! Thank you. Amy Aldrich, thank you so much. Jake Moreland, thank you. Alex Dominguez, thank you so much. Adam Seats, thank you. Oriana Nowhere, thank you very much. The Real Annabelle Lee, thank you. Jomi Pei, thank you so much. Monica Wilk, thank you. Holozam, I think it's pronounced that way because the Zam is spelled with an X, but regardless, thank you so much for your support. Zoe Perminter, Thank you so much. Mads Oliver. Thank you very much. Chloe Perez. Thank you. Lily Beal. Thank you so much. Seamus Quigley. Thank you very much. Lisa Gold. Thank you. And Andrew Lucchesi. Thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to make shows like this without your support. We've got some really great bonus content coming up for you this month. 
including some really exciting bonus series to accompany our flagship Skyjacks podcast. So if you haven't already, you'll want to head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and join us as a supporter. If you join us at the $5 level or more, you'll be able to hear any of our audio bonus content. Finally, before we get back to the show, I wanted to take a quick moment and note the exciting news that Mel, my spouse, is pregnant and I, in a few short months, am going to be a father. We announced this over on our Twitter, and I want to thank all of the one-shot heroes who were so gracious with their excitement and congratulations. We could not be more excited over here. And I want to acknowledge that part of the reason that we're able to do this is the enthusiastic support of folks who listen to OneShot. Over the years, this passion project has turned into a career, and the kind of career that allows me the space that I'll need to be a father. That means the world to me, as does your enthusiasm. So thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Excellent. All right. And with that, the the Darkest Diner Challenge is completed. uh, And what you could not have known was that completing the Darkest Diner Challenge does halfway complete the Diners in the Dark Challenge because the people still need to be evacuated from safety from the Midtown Diner uh, since there is a combat going on here. But now with the room being lit up, some of them are able to make their own way out. Uh, So that is quite effective and helpful to a variety of people. Uh, not any of your foes, though, turns out. Not very helpful to them. So, <laughs> I'm going to pass it to Fable. All right. <laughs> so Fable looks up at the, the glowing disco ball and is like, my, my, how ostentatious. <laughs> well, you certainly are a fun bunch, aren't you? Uh, but, Draculis, is it? So, are you Dracula? Don't Hercules? pretend like you don't know who I am. Oh, I've heard stories of you, but those stories are, well, frankly, they're ridiculous. I mean, look at you. Oh, you poor thing. Maybe I can write you a new story. And he begins scrawling in his scroll. He is going to attempt a hinder on you. So does this stack with the hinder that I've received already? Yes, and. Uh, it's it, it doesn't stack. Okay. It doesn't just make your minus. So he only rolled a two, which means he's only giving you a minus one hinder, which is great in this situation. But it, rather than you having a minus three now, so you have these still visions of, of this potentially horrifying future uh, that you're thinking of that's giving you a minus two. Additionally, he makes you doubt your own stories. He makes you doubt your own truth just for a moment. You're like, but... But really, how? But this is a legit question. How am I both Dracula and Hercules? How is this possible? And the type of penalty that he's putting on you is a mean one indeed. What he is doing is giving you a minus one that is persistent and exclusive. And what that means is that this is the minus two. Like Savant had the minus two, and Solid Gold had the minus two, and they acted the mm-hmm. minus two 
counted against their roll, and then the minus two w went away. It was used up. Persistent means that it's not used up. So on your next roll, <laughs> you will have a minus three to the thing that you're doing, and that and the minus two part of it will get used up, but the minus one is going to hang around. There are ways to get rid of penalties, persistent penalties, but is put a penalty on you that undealt with will last the entire scene. Of just this, just this inkling of doubt. It's only a minus one, but there's this part of you that's like, uh, he does have a point. I this is kind of weird, but maybe it's okay. You'll just have to overcome it. Mm -hmm. So that is what Fable does: is pokes fun at Dracula's in a way that is cruel and only the way that a child can be cruel. With that, BC, who is known for sitting and waiting for long periods of time, is content to wait no longer. So the the booth has been blown up around him. There's probably some pancakes that are dropped, which, you know, is a problem we definitely will have to deal with. But BC stands up and says, all right, time for my transformation sequence. Like cracks his neck, mm -hmm. stretches out, crouches down where there's a backpack by his feet, draws an ancient sword from the backpack, kind of squares his shoulders, does a few little stretches first. All right, fully transformed. <laughs> and then does a roll that even though the the whole place is now illuminated from the power of solid to gold is still able to slip into some of the shadows and roll around until he comes up behind his ally Draculis and lays his hand on Draculis says my friend you are not the first god slash mythological creature combo that I have encountered in my travels. You must believe in your own story. And he gives some of his vitality, infusing it into Dracules and his allies. So I'm using a yellow zone ability called Bolstered Courage that boosts an ally using vitality. So I'm going to go against his penalty. And I and all nearby heroes in the yellow and red zones recover health equal to my Mindai. So the the power of his life force actually washes over everyone to heal the wounds that have been inflicted by Liquid Steel. Excellent. You remind me of the legend of Medusa Stein. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Medusa Stein's monster. Uh, I, Dave, I absolutely love the line, you are not the first <laughs> but legendary hero mythic creature that I've encountered. Oh, goodness. <laughs> So, I have a D12 in Vitality, which is the key ability for this particular ability. And I have a D10 in History, because indeed I have seen many, many things in my travels and heard many stories. But all of my zone dice are D8s, because it's hard to get them to care one way or the other about how things are going. So I'm going to roll a D12, a D10, and a D8 for this ability. Wow. 3, 8, 12 are my results. So the boost is with the 8 plus 3 to Dracules. Ooh. And all of us are going to recover 3 health from the power of my life force. Nice. That rules. Like, Dracules was, like, stumbling around, like, seeing the visions in his head of, like, the tales of Hercules and the legends of Dracula and trying to reconcile them. And I, I think, like, it takes the form of, like, kind of a hallucination of being in front of a network TV executive going, we just don't think America will understand 
someone who's both Hercules and Dracula. Now, if they were roommates, I think something might be workable. And Dracules is like crying out in pain over, no, they'd be the original odd couple. <laughs> it doesn't matter if America understands me and my whole thing or not. All that matters is whether or not people wish to hear my story. <laughs> and like he he gives he gives a, a nod to to his friend BC who has cleared up like this this crisis of conscience that he's had. Yeah, and uh, because we're at the end of the round, I am just going to throw it directly to Dracules to act on his story right now. Excellent. Then Dracules is going to focus in on Fable, ignoring the civilians that he should probably pay attention to and help. And he is going to unleash a power strike. He is going to be using his strength, as that's what that ability calls for, as well as close combat and the yellow die here. This is going to be a five as Dracules like... What does the power strike ability do for you? Oh yeah, pa power strike is is attack using strength at using your max die. Yeah. So, so it's not the this mid. Is just just a. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. I should have read okay. my own ability that I chose <laughs> on purpose for that reason. So yeah, Dracules, his his cape flares back as he zips forward like gracefully in the air and you know brings around a, a good old Grecian haymaker to punch Fable directly in his foppish face. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be a six. A six. So if Fable doesn't roll a six on Fable's d6, then Fable will be damaged by this. And sure enough, he did not. He rolled a four. A decent roll, but not enough. That strike to the face does everything that Dracula's intended. Fable's face caves in on itself, but with enough force to launch him back. He's thrown back, blasting through a couple of fortunately now empty booths, landing at the, the feet of an old dusty ATM machine, uh, sorry, an automated ATM machine uh, in the back of the room, which as he hits it, uh, quarters begin to spin uh, to fly out of it, and uh, the waitress who's cowering behind the bar says, well, that's weird. There's not quarters in that machine. And so he's laying there in a crumpled heap it appears your spec script should have remained on your desk. <laughs> I also do not understand that reference. Just watch one TV show. That's all I ask of you. One show. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> there we go. I watched the MASH finale. Isn't that enough? I don't know your reference now. Dracules, who would you like to pass it to? Uh, let's, we haven't seen Liquid Steel in so long. We, it's true. They gotta do something cool. Right, right. Last time Liquid Steel acted, everyone was seated in their seats, all eight folks here, and she leapt from the table to spear some heroes and some breakfast foods. Now everyone's up and about, everyone's moving, the room has changed notably. Liquid Steel sees how things are going and is like, okay, listen. We, we came here to do a job. We've got to get it done and get back or we're going to be in big trouble. You know, we don't want to be in big trouble with her. She's the worst. Okay, so make with the fighting, all right? And she 
turns to Savant. Savant, you have a you have a do you do you, you have a philosopher's stone that you carry with you or no? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's in your hand. Currently floating above yes, his hand. Perfect, fantastic. She is gonna run up to you and attempt to to wrest it from you. So she's just gonna roll a simple hinder against you, and she gets a six, so minus two to Savant. Liquid steel goes in like Gets in your face, uh, Savant, and is like trying to mess with your philosopher's stone. She says, do, "Do your job." And this guy, who's been like kind of like huddling in the corner and clutching his book and shaking, looks around with a like a crazed expression, a uh, pained expression on his face, and he pulls the book open again and tears through the pages until he finds the right thing. And reading the text of the page seems to cause him significant concern and the entire room begins to shake tendrils of darkness explode out of the ground lashing and writhing and wrap around savant is both attacking and hindering simultaneously so you've got a minus two because liquid steel's in your face and you got a minus two because tendrils of darkness are wrapped around you and those tendrils of darkness hurt you for five tendrils of darkness damage Oh, wow. my goodness. And then, and then, and, and then, then, the shaking of the room moved the, the scene tracker one more forward on the diner. Also, this introduces a new challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's only so much time before this place becomes structurally unstable. Uh, so you can either try to shore the place up or into the scene and get out one way or another. But there is now a countdown on that. That, let us pass it. We're going to pass it to Solid Gold. Solid Gold has been watching things happen and hasn't had a moment to react to things in a while. Okay. We're not happy about the situation with Savant, so we're going to try and free him up a little bit by getting hindering enemies away from him, even though it doesn't actually clear the hinders. With a spin, she's going to she's gonna direct both of her arms out, pointing at and uh, liquid steel. And once again, gold starts to flare up on her hands, light emits from the middle of them and she fires both, uh, or or beams of light directly into either of their faces. As she does so, feedback whips out and kind of cracks up her arms and and, uh, runs up and down her because this attack actually damages her a little bit as well. But she's basically yells, uh, you know, get the hell off of him and and fires a couple of beams, which electroplate both their faces with gold, sending them staggering backward. And it it quickly dusts off. This is just a damaging attack, but I'm going to use Unfortunately, <laughs> and renamed all of my all of my abilities. So I'm going to use Disco Inferno, uh, allowing me to attack up to two targets using Radiant, and then also take an amount of damage equal to my mid die. Right. So we're going to build a pool with ranged combat, Radiant, and the yellow die. And do I roll this twice, or do I use the single mid die for everybody? Single mid die for both attacks. Okay, great. Mid dies of six, so that's going to be a six going into Liquid Steel and into. <laughs> Ended to me, but it's just gonna heal me because we're in yellow. So there you go. Oh, hold on, I have a one as well. Let me just re-roll that before anything else happens. I'm cursed. Oh, nice, nice. Did not change anything. Okay, great. All right, so Liquid Steel has an attack of six coming at her. The attack blasts her in the face. She's there, like up in Savant's face, trying to get to the the stone. She takes this blast to the face, which rocks her back on her heels. She manages to hold her footing and still is like pawing at Savant, but she does not look quite as shiny as she did Mm -hmm. uh, mere mere moments ago. Meanwhile, has just finished reading whatever terrible thing he was reading from this book, and he 
had closed his book and was pulling it to his chest when he gets shot in the face with a beam of, of golden light. And he does not save against it. Mm-hmm. And so he is reduced down to go. the lowest die size there is. D4 question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give some indication that he's not just a regular style D4. <laughs> now this shot was quick enough and unfocused enough that while their faces are plated with gold stretching back from their, their heads as if they had been standing in a strong wind, it quickly crumples and falls oh. away, allowing them to see again. Because it isn't a hinder, it's just a, an attack. Yeah leaving little splashes on their faces here and there. Uh, and then as that happens... But there's glitter that remains. <laughs> well, there's enough gold left mm. there that I can use it as my, my origin point for more laser shots. That's the Ooh. whole game. <laughs> and then I will uh, kick that over to... Let's see BC go. Actually, hold on. That's the last hero to go go this turn? So, nope. Savant hasn't go. gone. He's just me. beat up. Yeah. Then perfect. Let's see BC yeah. go. Throw it to me. So... Kind of slinking back into the edges of all the light and away from Fracules. BC sees the, the commotion going on with Savant and the forces harrying him and just kind of, you know, with a swirl of his cloak emerges behind the gold-blasted villains there messing with him and his orb. And I'm going to use an ability called Battle Canny, which I will attack using my Ancient Blade signature weapon and allows me to remove a penalty, so I'm going to take out one of the minus twos in addition to attacking. Which one? Uh, well, it's a physical one only, so I'm assuming it's like the grabbing onto the orb, and so I'm kind of swirling, you know, swirling the blade to detach the hands from the orb. You know, if the hands go with it, fine, but at least trying to get them to back <laughs> away while also swirling and swinging it. Ah, so you're attacking but disarming liquid steel in the process. Yep in that you're trying to cut her arms off. With one swirl of blade work. Yeah. It'd be really cool if you could actually, you know, see it happening. <laughs> oh, I can. I think we all can. Oh, it's, it's very right. In mm-hmm. the mind's eye. I have an ancient blade that's a D10. I have close combat that's a D10. And a D8 for status die because... Meh. Because you do. Because I do. Knock rate rolls, two, three, four. So that's still three damage to... All right. And he does. He rolls a three. Uh, So we'll talk about that in a second. Gets rid of one of the minus twos. Right. Okay, great. So, BC, as you step forward, you step forward with a swirl of the sword, and the first swirl chops both of Liquid Steel's hands off. Her hands are gripping onto the Philosopher's Stone, and you attempt to, like, get her hands off it, and the sword just goes right through her wrists. The hands attached to the stone drip away as, as liquid, and she stands staring at her wrists in somewhat horror, but also in fury. And Savant no longer has to deal with that situation. But then you, you know, step forward, continue swirling the sword, and uh, doesn't, like, even seem to notice you. The sword swirls around, and with a mighty chop, you chop into the shoulder of and the sword cuts into the heavy cloak that he wears, and it cuts through whatever is under the cloak, presumably his shoulder, and continues into his torso and it stops when it meets the big heavy book that he's reaching. It passed through the clo- the the fabric of his cloak and the meat of his shoulder with little resistance at all, but upon hitting the book, stopped dead and still stands there kind of muttering, kind of frowning, hovering holding the book, seemingly in uh, unaware of the sword that is has c- cut into his shoulder. Mm. Centaur's blood. I believe I have seen my friend BC do a murder. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, no, but that might happen later. 
I'm going to throw it to Fable. Fable, you say? <laughs> so Fable's curled up in the in the corner under a rain of quarters that shouldn't be there, and the the pile of quarters shifts as he comes to his feet. He looks terrible. His hat is destroyed. The feather in his hat, broken. The quill in his hand, broken. That's two feathers down. And he holds his scroll, which is in tatters, and he's like, ah, no new space with which to write. And he kind of looks up the scroll a bit and says, you work with what you've got. And he, like, makes some editorial marks and things he's already written. He has brought back (laughs) the rats that he dismissed earlier. He brings three of them back from nowhere, but these rats, they look a bit different than they did before. Before they looked just like regular diner-dwelling rats, although they seemed compelled by their very blood to act for for Draculis. Now these rats seem jaunty in the way they move, and they each have a plume feather coming from behind their their right ear, and they move forward in a prancy, musical sort of manner, and he will, in fact, pass it to the rats as they saunter forward, two of them advancing on BC and one of them advancing on Dracules. These are regular minions, and so these ratty rats bite at BC. BC, from the two rats, you take two damage and a four damage for a total of six chompy damage from rats and dracules one rat jauntily chomps you for three damage i have a reaction they chomp into me that's just the thing that happens right but um you know one of them i I tear off and you see the skin and the clothing just sort of knitting up under where the gnawing happens so i have an ability called breathing continues when I would take damage, defend against that damage by rolling my vitality die. So I'm going to defend against that four with the two. So I reduce that damage by two. Awesome. As I shoo the rats away. Excellent. Very good. Very good. And then uh, you are being chomped for three Draculis by another rat, but something happens? I am damage resistant. Uh, mm-hmm. So this does, because we are in a yellow zone, get reduced by two. So I'm only going to take one damage from this. Dracules looks down at the rat that is like kind of pinched his flesh, but not really pierced it. You are unworthy to drink the blood of the god and the devil intermixed. <laughs> I'm so happy. The, um. the 12-year-old's really intense. <laughs> Isn't Hercules a demigod? Well, he's a twelve-year-old, but he also has the mind of both Dracula and Hercules. Right, All their mental exactly powers the, as well. It's exactly what the twelve-year-old would want. Boy, the rats are going to pass it to BC because BC was just chomped by rats, and thus. Oh wait, no, you already went. I already acted. Yeah. I already went. I just didn't check yeah. you off. Uh, so instead, we'll check this off and. Yeah, we're up to Savant too. Yes, and <laughs> Savant is the challenges. last one. Oh, or AD, or AD. Oh. Oh, I could be a jerk. Tempting! Be a jerk! Do it! Yeah, I'll be a jerk. Savant, it's you. All right. You're standing there holding the Philosopher's Stone that is still dripping with bits of silver that don't affect your ability to use the Philosopher's Stone at all, but is a bit situationally grisly. This episode of One Shot uses music from the following artists. Cakewalk by Avocado Junkie. Black Crown by Andrew Stanton. Bus Won't Stop by Famous Cats. I've Seen Stranger Things by Alternate Endings. Life Worth Living by Moments. And In the Lift by Fabio Poyen. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. 
You can find more of their work online anywhere at The Other Tracy. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back with more Sentinel Comics role-playing next week. In the meantime, be sure to check out some of the other amazing shows here on the One Shot Network. Like System Mastery. System Mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role-playing games. Except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything. Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hotwing. You can find their shows at systemmasterypodcast.com or through a link on the OneShot website. Finally. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And heroes, I urge you to call your representatives about an issue that you care about. Calling representatives is a great first step in any plan to enact change. Calling your representative is a great first step in any larger plan to enact change. It's one of the most direct ways to have your voice heard. And because not many people call, it helps the issues that you care about most stand out. Now, when I call, I typically use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, they have summaries for different issues that you might like to call about, contact information for your representatives, and scripts to read while you're on the phone to help you get your point across. Calling is quick, and it can be an important part of much-needed societal reform. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Do you love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? 
Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe.